Hey, y'all. Sam Sanders here. Michaela Cole is having a great year. Her new show, I May Destroy You, it has become a sensation in the last month or so. Michaela Cole stars in the show. She wrote the whole show. And it's not quite a comedy, not quite a drama. It's a show all about consent and sexual assault. And yet, it's not sad. Where is my shot glass? Can't you see? I'm drinking shots. Where is my shot glass? Can't you see? I'm drinking shots. Where, where, where is my shot glass? Can't you see? I'm drinking shots. The Washington Post says every moment of the show is worth unpacking. The Guardian called it an extraordinary, breathtaking achievement. The Atlantic called Cole a volcanically talented writer. So on this episode of It's Been a Minute, in honor of I May Destroy You and Michaela Cole's amazing year, we're going to share my interview with her from last year. Sam? Hey! Oh, yeah. How are you? Sorry, I'm really, really excited to hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> I was clearly very excited to talk to Michaela when our chat began. When our lines finally connected, I came in kind of hot. I'll just love the volume on this. <laughs> I, I promise I won't yell that loud the entire interview. How you doing, Sam? I'm good. I'm going to calm it down. <laughs> Calm it right down. I talked to Michaela back in February of 2019, before I May Destroy You debuted. But there was still a ton to talk about, like her breakout role as Tracy on the British sitcom Chewing Gum. She played this wonderfully awkward and brazen, recovering Pentecostal on a mission to lose her virginity. I'll just be having a normal kind of sexy dream. Oh, Tracy, It gets too intense, and then I squirt blood. In this encore chat, Michaela and I talk about chewing gum and how she went from spoken word poetry to TV and how she moves through the industry as a black woman challenging just about all of the industry's expectations of her and also how we both grew up Pentecostal. It's a fun one. All right. Enjoy. Before we dig into all your recent and current work, I do want to say we have one big thing in common that excites me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both shave our heads. Uh, how did I have a feeling you were going to say something that's changed in me? And because you're not here, you can't see that my hair's growing. <gasps> did you grow it out? It how long is it now? That's uh, fine. It's like, how long is it now? It's like uh, maybe an inch or two. <laughs> because, it's still um, short. Oh, it's still really short. I started growing it in October. I have to for uh, another part. Mm-hmm. I love shaving my hair, shaving it myself. Doesn't uh, it feel good? It feels great. It always so feels simple. like it is. And like it, it, one, it's like a chance to appreciate this part of your body that you don't think about enough. Like when I shave my head, I touch my head and yes. I feel it. And I'm mm. like, oh, it's nice. Yes. I like it. Yes, I'm with you. And it also it's like a, it cuts out so much time and fuss mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just get rid of that thing. And then it's like you have another half an hour to do something else like read. <laughs> you know, yeah. do some meditation, yeah. do some yoga, um, and you, your hair will always look great because you don't have any. Yes, yes, yes. And well, and like when you talk about it, well, one, I read this profile of you where you had the writer of the article, a black woman, shave my hair, uh, shave your hair for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> so I'm normally awesome. like a level one, and mm-hmm. she was at zero, and oh, I loved okay. it. And so I was like, please. Do you mind? <laughs> so she sat me down <laughs> and she shaved my hair. It was great. I bring it up because I also like how you talk about how that act, it's also you, in cutting your hair off, you're kind of freeing yourself from a lot of pressures and expectations that 
society and your industry put on women, especially black women? Like when you shave your hair, you mm-hmm. shave off the burden of performing your hair. 100%. Uh, and not just in this industry. It kind of feels like uh, it's it's bleeds into every part of your life. Uh, hair, you know, I think my mom re- permed my hair when I was mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had permed hair till I was about 19. And it all fell out because it broke. And we should say to the white listeners, this stuff is severe it's like yeah, it heavy chemicals mm. burns your scalp my mom put some on me they, when oh I was a god kid. seriously oh yeah and i swear to god i get just burning my head mm-hmm. burning my head pain for pain. years yep pain so that you have hair that stops defying gravity you know so, so it's straight <laughs> and yeah. i would uh you know i remember i put on uh, skirts on my head and, fl- and pretend that I had uh. this hair that moved, you know, and I would watch yeah. girls with the ponytail and when they walk, the ponytail swings from side to side and it becomes this um, uh, this kind of uh, epitome of beauty. I, You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I, I, and I, I, life is so much more, it's less yeah. stressful. There is less pressure when I get mm-hmm. rid of that thing. And yeah, maybe to many people, I'm less attractive. I'm less something to bother looking at. But I'm so much, uh, I feel freer. I enjoy looking in the mirror. And I don't care about any of those people that yeah. don't look at me because I don't have the hair. I almost see it as this metaphor for your career and for your work. Like so much of the work of yours that I have been consuming it is this process of you metaphorically shaving your head and unburdening yourself from all of the pressures that we place on women like you in a business like this one. And like when I see you in Chewing Gum, when I see you in Black Earth Rising, when I see you in other stuff, you have shaved your performer's head of what we expect you to be. And I I think that's why people love it so much. Yes. I wonder whether, I think you're right. I think I... I've actually, this is the third time I've shaved my head. I've shaved my head quite a few times. Hmm. Um, I, yes, I think uh, I like to try and, it's a bit like transparency when you shave your head off, right? Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. allow, you, yeah, you want people to see your mind without the dressing <laughs> on yeah. top. Um, and yeah, it could be said that that's what I strive to do, maybe with every character the character is already transparent but you can add in your layers your anxiety as an actor onto things and i try i try to avoid doing that to let the the writer's intentions come through i think on chewing gum there is a version of that i guess even though she did have a wig on for both seasons yeah. but she was um, so emotionally raw exactly which I she was so raw and messy and unrefined <laughs> and in many ways that is me because if i pretend to know everything i'm not going to learn anything mm. i have to openly be here as someone who's trying to learn uh openly confessing you know i don't know everything emotionally shaved mm, emotionally <laughs> shaved yeah <laughs> Intellectually shaved. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which role has been your most transparent in that emotional way that you mentioned? Hmm. The most transparent? God, that's very hard. I don't know. I mean, I, I probably would have to say chewing gum because I wrote it. There yeah. is a, a transparency in, in that. All right, time for a break. When we come back, Michaela and I chat about 
the sex song she sings on Chewing Gum. If you know, you know. If you don't, you'll find out soon. Uh, but parents, be advised. It's a song about sex parts. All right, BRB. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp, the online counseling service dedicated to connecting you with a licensed counselor to help you overcome whatever stands in the way of your happiness. Fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a professional tailored to your needs. And if you aren't satisfied with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time free of charge. Visit BetterHelp.com minute to get 10% off your first month. Get the help you deserve with BetterHelp. From Miss Ann to Becky to Karen. Our very own Karen. Not that Karen. Karen Grigsby Bates shares the evolution of the nickname for a certain kind of white woman. I'm looking forward to the next iteration. I want my name back. That's coming up on NPR's Code Switch. I do want to talk a bit about chewing gum. I actually was watching a bit of your new show before I came in here for the interview, and a colleague saw your face on the screen, and he just yelled, chewing gum! It's like, (laughs) yes, sir. Yes, yes, okay. (laughs) But, um, okay, so that show, it is a loud, vibrant comedy all about a sexually repressed young black Christian girl in London who decides, against the will of her holy roller mother and sister, to have a sexual awakening. Hilarity ensues. That's so good. Can you write that down for me so I can like tell other people <laughs> when they ask me what things are about, I'm just going like, to read whatever you say. Done, you. done. Yeah. I want to talk about how how this thing came to be on our TV screens. I love the backstory about the show and I want you to kind of walk me through it. It started out as like a stage play and then like over 41 drafts it became a TV series. Like yes. uh, how long did it take you to get it to where it was when we saw it? So, yes, I was in a drama school and uh, I had found all through uh, my time, uh, but especially in final year, we were doing all these plays that I didn't quite feel uh, like I could feel like I was being a genuine, authentic representation of the characters in. And mm-hmm. so we have the option to take yourself out of one of the main plays and uh, do your own little thing in the studio. No one comes to it. It's like a 10-minute solo piece. Normally people kind of uh, do abstract kind of movementy things. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do a 10-minute piece and I'm going to just write down memories of being in school. And so from that came a storyline called, uh, and it was a play called Chewing Gum Dreams. And it was a, a, a very dark comedy. So literally when we spoke about crying and laughing at the same time, it was mm. 10 minutes of crying and laughing at the same time. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I did that. And uh, then I left. I dropped out early because I I liked writing my own thing and doing it. And mm. I found a, a theatre, a new place called The Yard. It was happening in some industrial wasteland. This guy wanted to set up a theatre and uh, somehow managed to get him to read my script and he said great you know make it an hour and I'll do it but you have to do all your own marketing you've got to build your set design your set design your flyers do everything Um, and I was like oh my god yes so I did it I extended it and uh, my play was up it was five days and it sat 200 people and it was sold out for all the five days and yeah that was chewing gum dreams one agent came and signed me. Then she sent that script around to various different production companies and Mm. one production company uh, 
got back and they said we'd like to you know try and help her develop it into a TV show and mm. they were a comedy production company so that meant take away all the dark things and take away the word dreams <laughs> so there you had chewing gum <laughs> what I love about your character Tracy in the show is that she is physically a grown up having the physical and sexual urges of an adult yes but she is emotionally stunted in part because of her yes. upbringing and her yes. severe churchy upbringing she wasn't mm. allowed to think about or express sexuality until like she decides she has to mm. and so you end up with this woman trying to be a woman but she still in many ways feels like a girl and yes. it's expressed in these wonderfully comedic moments like there's this song your character sings tracy he's sings entering when she's entering like, my toe what will he find <laughs> it's a world of adventure it's a world of adventure will i smile will i scorn when my hymen has been torn dry like a desert or wet like rain what will he do to my membrane oh yeah <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to have my producer play the tape of that, but you did it for me. I'll do it. I can even harmonize, play it. I'll bring in some harmonies. <laughs> oh, man. It's so, it was so good. I played that scene probably about three or four times. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, man. How much, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole crux of like the character's motivating motivation for everything is that she was raised in this holy roller house and wasn't able to like learn how to be a sexual being and then she goes about deciding to figure that out Mm. were you raised churchy you were churchy for a little while right yeah i wasn't raised churchy it's so strange i wasn't raised churchy i became churchy uh Mm. when i was 18 i became a christian really Um, how did that happen uh, I, I, I mean, I dropped out of college. I, I dropped out of uni as well. I like dropping out of things. Um, <laughs> and I met a girl who was a dancer. And I kind of just started following this girl because, you know, when you drop out, you're kind of just looking for things to do. And I became a dancer in this dance group and then found out it was a Christian dance group and didn't want to leave the dance group. Huh. So didn't really vocalize the fact that I really kind of wasn't like actually Christian. So there I was kind of like, you know, there's like an assumed culture of being a Christian, you know, like you kind of say, oh, like praise God. And so you kind of learn this kind of basic lingo Mm -hmm. and you kind of, uh, you can get away with appearing to be something that you're not. (laughs) And so say praise the Lord, saints, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. Like, you know, God (laughs) forbid, uh, Uh all this kind of stuff, you know, you learn it, you learn it and you don't even need to open the Bible. Then I went to church maybe two or three times. And on that final time, Mm -hmm. the pastor said, uh, it's a standard kind of weekly altar call is what it's called. Okay, you know about these things? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes. So he said, if you don't know Jesus, raise your hand. I'm not up here. uh Uh-huh. And I kind of thought I did know Jesus, but I (laughs) discovered my hand was up in the air. And Uh I ran to the altar and I got on my knees and I was crying. This all was happening beyond my control. And I was kind of saying to God, this, this... Uh, thing I'm so sorry for not acknowledging you for not acknowledging your presence Um, Mm. uh, what a a disrespect to you to the life I have you know a lack of gratitude and I became a I fell in love with God and this is all very true and I say that in full knowledge that I do not go to church anymore Um, Mm. I built up a faith based on that church and based Mm. on that altar call uh, Mm -hmm. that then was beginning to uh, be shattered because then Mm. I was in the world I was in drama school and you're kind of taught in my particular church uh, things are wrong Uh, sex like what for marriage is wrong 
homosexuality is wrong. Uh, divorce is wrong. Uh, all these things are wrong. And I'm in, now in drama school and I am supposed to be spreading the word of God and their blood will be on my hands if I don't tell all the people having sex and all the gay people and all my teachers who are divorced that they're going to go to hell if they don't give their life to Jesus and go to church and go to the altar. But it didn't feel like something I should say. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, it's now, you know, I've had to come full circle. Uh, it could be that my view as a Christian was two-dimensional and maybe there's another version of mm. being a Christian where you just believe in the character of Jesus. You believe in mm. the things he did. I mm. want to live my life the way Jesus led his life. Yeah. Do I want to live my life the way other people in the Bible led their lives? I don't know. You know, I don't know if I want to be like the Apostle Paul. I don't know if yeah. I like the kind of stuff he was doing. I yeah. don't really know if I like these rules about yeah. um, being gay. You know, I don't know if I believe that it's a sin. I don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what did Jesus say? He didn't really make any comments about just, that yeah. stuff. <laughs> he was just kicking it with people, traveling Boom. around his posse, giving people food. That's and being I'm like, saying. let me see if I can heal you in the process. Correct. I like Jesus <laughs> a lot. Same. I really like Jesus. Yeah. I had to like, I kind of like had a whole epiphany last year mm. where mm. I was like, yo, like whatever this thing is, mm -hmm. uh, God, Jesus, history, the mm -hmm. idea of the spirit of who Jesus was, I feel that is something somehow with me. Uh, trying to teach me and steer me and I look to Jesus but I also look to every religious oh, text yeah. I look to everyone and everything uh, yeah. I think there's something to learn from everything so you still believe in something listen I don't know <laughs> I, I, I believe that I, it's better to hope and to believe yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you my little Christian story now because you just me. opened up the word for me. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I was raised uh, Pentecostal, apostolic. My mother was a church organist. We went to like one of those holy roller churches where mm -hmm. everyone's speaking in tongues and chanting. Uh -huh, yes, me too. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So I was in it, mm -hmm. like saved, Holy Ghost filled. And just like, you know, over time, you like drift away for the same reasons you list, like yes. the people in your life, the people you come to know in adulthood. Mm -hmm. You're like, I don't think they're going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think their lives are bad. Yeah. I don't think my life is bad because I don't follow these rules. And I think, like, for me, hearing you say, like, you believe, like, mm. for me, the epiphany was, like, I stopped looking for the Jesus described to me in church and the mm. rules put upon him by the mm. church. And I stopped looking for, like, God, big G, yes. <laughs> the universal in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, like, before, I think I used to have this idea that, like, the deity was this one thing and it was there. Yeah. But now I want to look at it and say, God can be everywhere and anywhere. And how can I live a life where I see God in everyone, try to create God through the work that I do, mm. try to bring God to the people that I'm in communion with. Like, mm -hmm. God more as, like, I don't know, something that can be everywhere and not just this thing that's on a pedestal yes. and that has all these arbitrary rules. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. And uh, I, I sometimes think, you know, I don't want to be doing these things that you've just described as seeing God in everyone and trying to, you know, act out of love. I don't want to 
ever feel like I'm doing those things because if I don't, God will punish me. Yes. I would rather, you know, when I became a Christian, and this sounds so crazy, it sounds nutty. When I first became a Christian, I honestly believed that either way I was going to hell. So I'm just going to mm. do, it's like, because I would never, do, I don't deserve to be in any heaven. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm just here to serve God. No, yeah. no, no. There's no, there's no golf. There's no trophy for me. I'm a sinner. I'm yeah. crap. But because so much of it is shame based. So much so of, the much way of that it we is shame, God is shame based. based. And the church had to literally. It was almost like, okay, no, Michaela, too far, too far. No, no, <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. You're going to heaven. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. No, uh. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm like, I know my punishment. I do not wow. deserve. It. I know. I was super. I mean. It was mm. even... It sounds the, sad, depressing. It does sound sad, doesn't it? It's like, whoa, girl, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? Yeah. And so now it's like, no, it doesn't... It, is it important that I know what happens beyond this life? Mm. Let me shift my focus to where I am now. What can mm-hmm. I do now? How can I change myself so that I'm of benefit to helping that, helping my neighbour? That's mm. all we have for sure, are the mm. people here, is the earth we're living on. Let's focus where we are right now. Oh, yeah. 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 What? Well, and it's like when you take on that mentality, mm. when you begin to search for the God wherever you are and understanding that it can come in many forms, mm-hmm. you kind of realize like when you do find those slices of God, like those moments of beauty. <laughs> slices of God. You know, like <laughs> that, like maybe that's heaven. You know maybe that's I mean? it. You yeah. know, maybe like I don't know what's going to happen next, but Correct. I do know that moment of connection, that moment of beauty, that moment of love. Feels heavenly. <laughs> Yes. Right. And maybe that's enough for the day. And, and if maybe I can... that is enough for the day. Yeah. Isn't that satisfactory? It is. Okay, time for a break. Keep listening. Soon you'll hear Michaela tell me about a totally different kind of church, the Church of Black Mirror. This message comes from NPR sponsor Verbo. Summer is here and vacation is just a drive away. Search thousands of nearby vacation rentals on Verbo to find your family a private home all to yourselves, where you can spread out, chill out, and feel that vacation feeling again together. Book the home that makes the vacation. Download the Verbo app. That's V-R-B-O. Don't miss the national conversation with me, Jen White, every weekday on NPR's 1A. News, views, and insight for the relentlessly curious. A space for those willing to share what they know and ready to hear the other side of the story. Subscribe to 1A Now and leave a review. How was it doing Black Mirror? It seems like such this (laughs) weird, amazing cult. (laughs) You know, I think it... I'm wondering if I do feel like it is a bit cultish, and I'm I am in I'm like a really um zealous worshiper in this cult. Um, like I've gone, I've been baptized twice. <laughs> what am I doing? Um, it's it's so fun. What was your episode called? Uh, one was called Nosedive. The other one was called USS Callister. Yeah, yeah. Nosedive was my first dip. I was mm-hmm. in one scene in season two, and. I shot one day and it was honestly the be all and end all of my life for that entire year wow. and people say what's your favourite character this is after chewing gum I would be like the airline stewardess from No Star Black Mirror is the best <laughs> character I have ever played I loved that one scene wow. so much I yeah. yes and then I did USS Callister and mm-hmm. it was incredible it's uh, I uh, I'm a part of that church yeah. <laughs> Black Mirror have you done Bandersnatch yet of course I've done Bandersnatch. Of course I've done Bandersnatch. <laughs> I'm scared to. Bandersnatch is like very 
like what the hell is going on now this and is a, so this is all it's like a choose your own adventure for yes, the new black mirror season yes yes wow. and it's a little bit like uh oh no charlie i don't want to choose please please don't give me that power i don't want to wow. please just tell me stories it's a little bit like i am the kid that you read the stories to i am the <laughs> attendee in the church i do not want to be a pastor uh-huh. charlie you do the writing, okay? And we're going to learn from you. I don't like control. I like to be warned. I do not like to teach when it comes to technology and all those things. Oh, yeah. It's funny hearing you talk about, like, technology and your relationship with it because I also love hmm. how candid you are about the often pervasive and negative effects of social media. Yes. And it's refreshing to hear a celebrity talk about it because so much of what we see with celebrities interacting with social media platforms is, this is great, look at my life, it's so great. I Whereas know. you're like, I took a three-week break from Instagram because, ugh. Yeah, yeah, three months, you know, three months. Oh, really? <laughs> three months, you said? Yeah, three months. So, but I told everybody else, to, I think I said take three weeks off because you can't tell people to take three months off from Instagram. Wait, you lied to folks and said you took three weeks or you actually took three months? No, no, I took three months. Oh, but I said, you guys, hey, why don't you take three oh, weeks? You because take three, three months okay. is intense. I'm like, I can't tell anyone to take three months off Instagram. <laughs> How I mean, was that's it? like, oh, amazing. You know, at first, it's like my, I would uh, keep scrolling on my phone and be mm-hmm. like, what am I scrolling for? Just kind of endlessly swiping. Oh, my mm-hmm. body is looking for Instagram. My body is like looking for for Yeah, and it's like I deleted the app. It's like it's not there. You're just scrolling endlessly. So it's in my body. That was kind of scary. So I had to get to a point where it's not in my body anymore. And now I can go back. Now I like love Instagram because now I control my relationship with Mm -hmm. Instagram. It is not in control of me. Many people on TV do do. Oh, my life is great. My life is great. But I'm like, I feel like everybody does that on social media. They mm-hmm. put out this version of events where everything is mm-hmm. amazing. Just been mm-hmm. here, isn't it great? Look at all my friends. Everything's really great. Always really great. Look at how I look today. And uh, it makes other people feel like uh, inadequate. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, no, no. People need to know. No, that that's not their lives. Nobody no. woke up like that. <laughs> Nope. Not even Beyonce. Correct. Correct. Nobody woke up like that. Not like that. Not like that. Uh, another thing about us, we're both obsessed with Brexit. Are we I both think. obsessed with Brexit? Are you obsessed? <laughs> You've talked about who you might choose to negotiate Brexit. What did I say? Remember this? Who did I choose? I think you chose Rihanna. You don't remember this? I read all the interviews you've I've definitely done. changed my mind. I'm going for, like, Michelle Obama now. Now I'm like, oh, no, no, no. We're in a lot of trouble right now. So I'm like, okay, can we have Michelle Obama? Um, Michelle Obama, I feel comfortable with that. I would uh, let Dwayne The Rock Johnson do it. Who? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The Rock. You let The Rock do I don't know enough about The Rock. I really don't know Everyone enough about The Rock. Everyone likes him. I don't know enough about The Rock. You know, I really don't know enough about The Rock. Um, but I'm, I've seen Michelle Obama do live talks. I really respect her. And she seems very wise. So I'm going for Michelle Obama. Hey, well, I am just was an honor. You, you uplifted me and warmed my heart. Likewise. This is a joy. Thank you, man. Nice talking. Thanks again to Michaela Cole for that chat last year. It was delightful. I'm so glad that you all are getting to see her extreme talent on I May Destroy You right now. That show airs Sundays on HBO. This episode was produced by Anjali Sastry, and its editor was Janae West. We are back in your feeds on Friday. Till then, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. <laughs>